do you want to introduce the show? I don't know it. <laughs> Give it a shot. All right, getting started. What's the first one? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Devin D'Agostino. I can't remember if you say your last name. My name is Devin D'Agostino, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Verga. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing great, Devin. How are you? I am doing a-okay. So today, as always, we are going to jump into the world of the talking heads. We're going to do some talking. We're going to have our heads on, screwed on tight, and see comedy and science fiction. And not science fiction. Fiction that is just fiction. And science that's just science. Uh We're going to see some friends and some neighbors. We all there's going to be a car, a large <laughs> automobile, and we're going to make sense, and then we're going to stop making sense. All this and more on Devin and Kevin, Stop Making Sense. Perfect. I knew it. Spot on. It looked like you were reading something somewhere, like you wrote that down. That's Yeah, that's the intro. Every time you say it, I write it down in preparation if I'll have to give it, and I think I did it pretty well today. Is that the intro? Because I kind of just black out whenever I usually give the intro and I really, I just come back from like a stupor. Kind of like, you know, when David Byrne does that like funk rhythm guitar in the song Found a Job and he's just kind of rocking back and forth and you can see he's like in his own head. That's what I go into personally whenever I do the intro. But today it's your Zoom. It's your intro. It's your show today, honestly. I was not prepared for this much responsibility um shoot found a job appropriate that you said found a job because today we're talking about found a job I really want to start this conversation by saying, doesn't David Byrne's neck look really long in the Stop Making Sense recording of Found a Job? Yeah. Is that what you took away? Is that your main takeaway? That's your first impression. Usually we start with first impressions and your first impression is he has a long neck. This is my first impression. It will also be my last impression. (laughs) That's where you start and end with the neck. Mm Mm-hmm. As a lover and as a song analyst. What about you? Did you have any impressions on David Byrne's Anatomy or the song? I love this song. I think I chose this song late at night, late, late last night. We were going to do a different song, a deep cut, a deeper cut rather, Clean Break. Um, We had a list of other songs that we wanted to do, but it seemed like we wanted to go down a funkier route this week. But So we were all set for Clean Break, and then last night I was messing around on some sound recording equipment and I started playing found a job on guitar and I texted Devin saying that I'd love to do found a job and here we are doing found a job now regarding anatomy I love when the first chorus kicks in and he says Judy's in the bedroom he does that the guitar movement and he does this little shake with his shoulders but he it's very boxy like he's kind of moving in a box of himself and I always love that little move 
Also, Jerry Harrison's foot. Like, he has this little, like, wandering foot. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the musical Putnam County Spelling Bee, but there's a, a, a speller who uses his magic foot to spell out words, and I always imagine Jerry Harrison using his foot that's kind of guiding around the stage to, I don't know, remember the chords or what notes to play. It's interesting that you bring up Jerry Harrison's feet because that's what I was focused on, too. I noticed his shoes for the first time. He has these, like, bright pink reddish shoes that are almost like socks but yeah i couldn't take my eyes off it How much of the song did you hear? Because you seemed very visually focused for this song. Absolutely none. Zero? Primarily focused. I'm like, I'm leading this episode. I can take it any way I want. I'm going to focus on the physical appearance of the talking heads. This is important about the visuals of the band also. I like that you bring that up because this is when the whole band is united on stage. It takes four full songs for the, all the talking heads to come on stage. Jerry Harrison is the last person to come on stage, and they play Found a Job. And I always found it interesting that they chose this song to both highlight Jerry Harrison and then also say, here we are, we are talking heads, this is Stop Making Sense, and this is us, the band. If you're singing for the first time, you're not sure if other people are going to come out, but you know that this is the four talking heads and I just found it interesting that they chose this song to represent themselves. What, what do you make of that? Choosing this song as their representation of Jerry Harrison and or the band itself. That was something I picked up on. It has a lot of these motifs, sort of themes we see through Talking Heads songs, especially their early stuff. This kind of childish optimism, a focus on like everyday life, simplicity, the middle class in America, just making their way, doing what they have to do. And very appropriate because it's more songs about buildings and food. So that's kind of the idea of this whole album. But yeah, it's got that funky beat. It's got the guitar. It's got everything you expect from a Talking Heads song. And also on Talking Heads 77, more songs about buildings and food. Although I'm already going to contradict myself because I'm remembering the good thing. But a lot of these songs seems surface level, not negative, although the connotation might be, but they're just, they're not really hiding anything, right? They're telling you exactly what they're going to talk about. It's a very clear discussion. It's very average every day. The music isn't average every day, but the stuff they're talking about is things you would encounter in everyday life. Ah, interesting. So it's not as much that the song is boring or that the song is usual, the song you said is the instrumentation is very unusual, but they're talking about mundane, everyday things that we can all relate to. In this case, either finding a job or watching te TV, watching TV. 
The first lines are, Damn that television. What a bad picture. Don't get upset. It's not a major disaster. So, okay, we're, someone's angry at a television, and it seems to be there's some sort of dialogue. I guess we've all been there. Maybe we're watching a Yankee game, and something bad happens. You yell, damn that television. Well, I guess that's not... You'd be mad at the team on the television. I don't think I've ever been mad at the television itself. What do you make of that? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> Tapping into maybe like a more an, an example and a modern example too. I think they're getting angry at like a television show. I'm thinking like Game of Thrones, right? Everyone hated that last season of Game of Thrones. And actually, entertainment in general, the Star Wars reboot, whatever it may be, people get very passionate, usually in a negative way, about entertainment, especially now when there's so many different forms and there's these reboots and bringing back things we grew up with that we hold so near and dear to ourselves and screwing them up a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a similar reaction, but in a totally different world, 1970s versus it's almost like 1970s when this stuff was originally coming out versus now when we're doing this stuff again, we're rebooting these things and now people are having this negative reaction to it. Ah, interesting. So over the course of multiple decades, we can still see people upset with media, that we're watching it as a casual observer, or even more than a casual observer, being really involved in it, and looking at that and saying, damn that television, what a bad picture, I could have done better. That's the, I mean, that's what the song it kind of gets at, hinting, alluding to what comes next in the lyrics. But then I also like this other person, I mean, we have a dialogue here. Someone's yelling, damn that television, what a bad picture, and someone is responding, don't get upset, it's not a major disaster. And then they say back, there's nothing on tonight, he says, I don't know what's the matter. Nothing's ever on, she said, so I don't know why you bother. That is fantastic. Firstly, lyrically, so catchy, establishes two characters, establishes a topic of the song, and like you said, something mundane of being upset with a TV program that we can all get behind. And frankly, if you end right here, you have enough to really grasp onto, but I really have no idea where this song could go. The, the, the title is Found a Job, but we're talking about television and emotions, and it seems like a relationship. So where do you take it from here? Well, there's the next line, right? We've heard this little scene. We've heard it many times. I like that. He's jumping back. He's the narrator. You can mm-hmm. almost picture it like a television show almost, that they take yes. a scene and then you take a step back. Oh, well, you've seen this many times before. Like, I'm just thinking a host on a television show. Um, people fighting over late little things and wasting precious time. And it's interesting, too, now. This is stuff I'm just noticing looking at the lyrics, that it's going back and forth. It's taking, we focus on these two characters. We focus on their adventure or what's happening to them, their situation. And then we have the narrator step back. I'm thinking in like one of those classic shows where, can you think of an example? I'm thinking of like a, like a, a, a claymation Christmas tale, like Rudolph, and there's something happening and it's like, oh, ho, ho, these group of gangly misfit toys have no idea what's in store, the abominable snowman. Like there's some wise, godly narrator figure that, that has uh, more experience than these childish, immature people that he's observing. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was thinking like Twilight Zone almost, 
but like a less serious Twilight Zone. I'm sure there are other mm-hmm. shows like that. But the narrator saying, this is what's going on. And then he comes back at the end before that final chorus to maybe give us a life lesson. But because I think it is, this song was written 1970s, late 19, 1970s, 1980s. 78. 78, right. So we're listening to it with our modern day mindsets, but it's anachronistic. Mm-hmm. We have to situate it in the time period. I found this article from 2007, and that's significant that date, but it's called Meet Bob and Judy, the first vloggers. So what this song is about, which I wasn't really familiar with, I've heard, have you heard of like public access television? Yes. Right. Like public access television, my familiarity comes from like, I'm thinking like cartoons, like a SpongeBob or something when they do, this is public access television. But in the 1970s, they had community cable TV, which was basically you could buy your own television show. You'd have time and you would film. Isn't there a SpongeBob episode where Squidward has his own late night TV show? Yeah, maybe. I was thinking that too, but I think it's like a later season too. It's in just the ether of my brain. But I, I know it's like some kind of a priori knowledge that maybe all of us are born with Squidward hosting a late night TV show that may never have even existed. But this was a thing. People could buy their own television shows and just do it themselves. And this is what that song is about. But the article makes an interesting connection saying it's like the equivalent of today's vlogging. Now, they wrote this in 2007, so it's totally different, too. I think 2007 is 14 years ago. Mm-hmm compare vlogging now to vlogging then but the idea of well if you think you could do it better why don't you just do it yourself and then doing it yourself a lot of different tendrils that's not the word i was looking for but we're going to stick with it tendrils there what do you think pick one of those tendrils to grasp and wrap yourself in i'll get back to the tendrils in a moment because i like i'd like to start where you started which is this narrator figure and I also felt that of we're focusing on a scene of someone watching a scene and then this omnipotent narrator kind of scoffs at them and says, we've all seen them before. Almost like the listener of the song also knows a little bit better than Bob and Judy. And we, But we've been there. People fighting over little things and wasting precious time. I always like that line because firstly, David Byrne delivers it so well in Stop Making Sense and in the studio version. But I also think about it a lot because if this is a godly narrator figure, align with this idea that watching television could be wasting time or fighting with your loved ones over something menial like this is also wasting time. This godly figure offers some advice that they might be better off, I think, the way it seems to me making up their own shows, which might be better than TV. So there's a lot to unpack there, because we have this narrator figure that offers advice, but then also takes a step back, where they say, it might be better off, I think, it seems to me that they should do this. So they want to incite action in, in Bob and Judy, but they really don't want to take all the responsibility of putting this idea in their head. They're just saying, hey, I think that maybe they should do this. So maybe this isn't a godly figure, but just a narrator watching these two people. But that's also interesting because then the narrator is watching Bob and Judy watch something else. Let's just put a stake in that tendril. What do you think of that little off offshoot of a tendril? 
I'm about to inundate you with SpongeBob references right now. So I want you to prepare. I want the listeners, tendrils, Squidward has tendrils, Bob, SpongeBob, and Judy, reel it back in. SpongeBob episode. They get the TV box, right? Squidward, they get the big TV and they only use the box because, and Squidward <laughs> takes TV and he's like, shoot, man, I need the. <laughs> See, I remember it very clearly and I don't. Squidward goes, he's like, shoot, man, I wish I had a box. And SpongeBob's like, no. Okay. You know how Squidward talks. <laughs> they get the yeah. TV. Squidward takes the television. SpongeBob and Patrick take the box. He has this huge TV, the best TV anyone could want. But he, SpongeBob and Patrick are having so much fun in the box with their like, imagination. Because making up your own shows might be better than what's on TV. Oh, is this connected? Yeah. And just a little aside here. If you remember the SpongeBob episode, I think it's called like Paper or something, but it's from the first season where they get the gum and he like oh, throws yeah. away the paper. Yeah, yeah, the moment of real recognition there. And he like throws away the paper and SpongeBob plays with the paper and then Squidward like gives up all his belongings to get that piece of paper. <laughs> Same episode yeah. as the TV box. I don't know if anyone's made that connection, but there you go. That's also what the... Uh, fear of music song paper is about where imagination outshines the tv itself also the bit that i think is one of the funniest things ever is that it's all about boxes every tv show is about boxes and is it like is squidward losing his mind or is it actually about boxes and then they say welcome back to championship boxing and then there's two boxes fighting it's fantastic episode probably one of the best i think idiot box and band geeks are my top two spongebob episodes but that's a tendril for a different day i really like where you went with this i also like the idea of paper if i can stop on that for just a moment of this perceived value of paper and how you can really give up a lot of your life for something that someone else has maybe that'll i'm gonna put that paper on the shelf and maybe we'll come back to it so spongebob and judy (laughs) they they bob and judy do feel so inclined they listen to this narrator and they do make their own shows and that brings us to the chorus judy's in the bedroom inventing situations bob is on the street today scouting out locations they've enlisted all their family they've enlisted all their friends it helped save their relationship and made it work again that's great i mean i think we can just end this review right there i just take we said you know, there's not too much to this song. It's a pretty simple song. So let's just take it at face value. They made their own shows. It was a hit. They enlisted all their friends and family. It's pretty much the American dream. Like, you're on TV. You're making your shows. Your friends and family are involved to help save your relationship. Any closing thoughts? I think I think we've ended in a really happy place. I mean, yeah. And then the narrator comes back and even says, What? Listen to their story. Right? It's life is all about doing what you love. If you want to be happy, you got to do it. I mean, he says, so think about this little scene, apply it to your life. If your work isn't what you love, then something isn't right. Just look at Bob and Judy. They're as happy as can be, inventing situations, putting them on TV. It's almost like a self-help song. Like, if you really want to be happy, do what you love. If something's broken, do it better yourself. And that gets back to this idea that I sort of mentioned at the beginning and that you've been talking about too, that this song, maybe there's more to it. I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and the sneaky tendril of, I think you're hinting at something else here. 
But for me, it seems like, listen, this is what's going on. This is just an example of an everyday life thing being on public access television and we can learn a lesson from it. We can really improve our lives and be happy if we do what we love and do things for ourselves, use our own imagination rather than mindless entertainment. Yeah, they do it. Their show gets real high ratings. They think they have a hit. There might even be a spin-off, but they're not sure about that yet. They're still working. I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all. This is all only a means to an end, and the end must be happiness. They're as happy as can be inventing situations, putting them on TV. But that also comes back to this idea of enlisting all your family, enlisting all your friends, because sometimes I feel like the Bob and Judy of my life where I'm having a casual conversation with a friend and we're talking about music, Talking Heads comes up and then I say, well, we actually have a podcast, me and my friend Devin, and if you ever want to be on, no pressure, I'll send you some songs and everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm not sure about that, but maybe I'll come on. And I just feel like Bob and Judy where I am enlisting all my friends and family Yes, to spend time with them, but also for content in a weird backwards way. I mean, we enjoy these conversations. We've had some lovely friends on the show. But I just do feel a little bit bashful and weird about enlisting them. Maybe it's that verb of enlisting all of them. What do you think? That is interesting, the connotation of a word. Because enlisted definitely has, you think, like military, enlisted in the army. It sounds, it's against your will. But I'm also thinking about, too, right, the idea of podcasts and content, the fact that this song seems almost more relevant now than it was perhaps 1970s, 2007, when that article was discussing it. Because now there's so many different venues to produce entertainment, whether it be a podcast or a vlog or Snapchat, Instagram, whatever you do, TikTok, right? Now anyone can make entertainment. And I think that's like... You know, we've heard this little scene, we've heard it many times before. How many times have you watched some video by like some like viral video and you're like, I could do that. What is that? What's so special about that? You know? Yeah. Anyone could come up with something like that. It's also the classic apps you go to an abstract art museum and you just see a red square on a large white canvas and you say, Why is that so valuable? I could do that. But somehow every day I wake up and I choose not to do art. So that's also the backbone of what supports me when we do these episodes because it's the doing of it all. And I know you and I like doing this and speaking actively and we enjoy the conversation. So we're just trying to recruit people to do it with us to share this moment of fun conversation. But that's the thing is like we're deciding every day to not do that thing that we think we could do. And it could be from insecurity, it could be from a lack of time, which I think could come back later when it says that if you're not doing what you love, then something isn't right. So maybe we can transfer into that, what, unless you had something else to say before that. Well, I want to talk about modern art and deciding to do something. Because like people say all the time, you know, I could do that. I could draw a red square on a paper. My defense of modern art, classic segment, Devin's defense of modern art here on Devin and Kevin Stop Making Sense is that, yeah, anyone could do it, but you didn't do it, right? You didn't come up with it there. Duchamp, the one who did like the really abstract stuff where he like hangs a shovel on the ceiling and says art. Anyone could do it, but he was the one to come up with it. So being able to have that creativity to invent something that no one else has invented before, I think that's what makes it significant and that's what we can appreciate. Because yeah, it's true. Like I could do what Pollock did. I could splatter a bunch of paint on a picture, but 
then again, I didn't come up with it. I could never even conceive of using paint that way, of hanging a shovel off the ceiling. And that gets to, but that comes back to Bob and Judy too, right? The first you see something, oh, this TV show sucks, right? I can't believe they made this. How'd they make this? And maybe it's almost saying, do we have a right to critique something if we haven't tried it ourselves? So yeah, if you hung a shovel from the ceiling first, maybe you can say Duchamp, that's dumb. But since you never did it before, then do you have a right to critique? So do we have a right to critique pieces of entertainment if we haven't had experience? And, and that can go with anything in general, not even in entertainment. Who are we to say that someone's doing something incorrect? Who are we to say that this job should be done this way if we've never had experience in it? Things like that. I think we have the right to critique art, even if we didn't do it. Right, because that's the catalyst. The catalyst for Bob and Judy being a success was something done poorly. Looking at it and saying, this is, what a bad picture. And then actually doing it. So there's almost two ways to get inspired. For us and this show, we loved Talking Heads music so much because it's so good that we want to talk about it and analyze it because we like spending time with it. But sometimes I play music uh, Devin, I know you also play music, and I'm sure you may have had this feeling as well. Like, you go see some blues band in Central Park, and I'm not hating here, or, like, you see a concert of a band that you kind of like, and then you look at them, and you're like, this isn't that good. Uh, I could do this. And being inspired and then going home and being like, if they could get a record deal, if they could get, you know, tips for people buying their CDs and stuff, why can't I do it? So being inspired by really amazing stuff and then being inspired by really bad stuff can lead to the same event. I don't know how this podcast would have been if we watched Stop Making Sense and we hated it. We both hated it. Imagine what that each episode would be. Like we come and we're really angry at a song and we're like Bob and Judy. It would be Bob and Judy Start Making Sense. Um, And we just like bash a new song every week. Maybe we can do that next week. Let's save that. Put that on the shelf. Um, but yeah, but, and I don't even think I really believe this, but I'm just doing it for the sake of argument here is like, you said that I can do it better. And then you went off and did it right. Like you make your own music. So you can criticize these people making music. Cause you're like, I know I can do it better. At least I tried. Same thing with Bob and Judy. Maybe they have the right to criticize these television shows because they went off and did it. Not even that they necessarily have to do it better, but the fact that they tried, the fact that they actually put themselves in the situation gives them the right to criticize. So maybe that's the point I'm getting at here is that, do you think if you've never tried something, you have the right to, or if you've never had experience doing it, you have the right to criticize someone else doing it? That's a good question because the first thing that comes to my mind is government positions. No, I've never been president and I probably won't, but I still maintain the right as a citizen to critique them or as a, even if I wasn't a musician or didn't identify as an artist or musician and an artist comes out and does something or says something really bad or makes a really lackluster, low-effort album, I can still say that I have the right to say that it's bad and you should have put more effort or thought into what you said or did. But it is a fair point because there are a lot of things that require experience and gaining experience could actually make you have a deeper appreciation for something that you may have initially thought was bad. Like you said before, like you can't even conceive how 
difficult something is or conceive a usage of something without trying it first. And something recently I heard was like, if you want to become an artist, you have to be comfortable identifying yourself as a bad artist before you become an artist. And that's for any skilled project, I'd say. If you want to be a musician, you have to be comfortable being a bad musician first. And maybe you'll start hearing songs a bit differently. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think it's universally applicable. I think I've just been sort of going with it because I'm interested to define my own perspective on it. But I'm thinking of another example, right? Like teachers. People love to criticize mm. teachers. At the start of the pandemic, though, when when kids were learning from home, what was everyone saying? Oh, my God, teachers should be paid more. How can anyone freaking do this job? This is impossible. Kids suck. I don't know if everyone was saying kids suck, but you get my point here. So maybe, do we have a right to criticize things? Of course, it's our personal opinion, but perhaps we have to present it as our personal opinion. And also we have to recognize the fact that unless you've given it a try, you don't have a proper or appropriate appreciation of the craft to really give all encompassing opinions on it or state your opinion as fact. Oh, teaching is so easy until you taught, right? I like that. And it feels like the rest of this conversation might deviate away from the idea of doing and the idea of action. And I just wanted to talk about the title of this song, which is Found a Job, past tense. And I think the word job is only mentioned once when it says, if your job isn't, no, it doesn't even say job. If your work isn't what you love, then something isn't right. So I don't think there's the mention of job within the lyrics. Interesting found a job which is also an action that requires doing planning and you know it's hard to get your dream job but then this narrator says if your work isn't what you love then something isn't right i'd like to just throw that into the air and have you do with it what you will if your work isn't what you love then something isn't right I'd like to come back to that when we stop making sense later on, unless you want to continue with it. But I have a study that I think might expand on this a little bit. A study, you say? Let's stop making sense now, shall we? If we jump <laughs> I was, into it. I was going to say maybe we can take a break and, and stop making sense when we get back. Or Do you have anything to break? I do have a potential bit. We're going to be Judy and Bob in the bedroom inventing situations. Rather than dying today, I think oh. we should do what they basically do what they tell us in the song. Do what this narrator is telling us to do. We're gonna become Bob and Judy, and we're gonna see if we can make it better. We're gonna invent some situations. I mean, <laughs> if you ask me, I think this song is just about Bob and Judy bidding, making oh. some bits. Oh. So let's do it. Something obviously is that I want to be Judy. <sighs> I knew that's for Judy. Can we both be Judy? Let's rock, paper, scissor for Judy. Ready? On Zoom. All right. All right. It's it's rock, paper, scissor, shoot, right? It says shoot, but... Oh, you want rock, paper, scissor, says shoot. Okay, ready? We'll do it. Rock, paper, rock, scissor, paper, scissor, scissor, shoot. shoot. <laughs> both rock. scissors. We're both Judy. <laughs> That's not how it works. Fine. We're both Judy. Fine. 
I'm starting to not even want to beat Judy anymore. Well, here's the first situation I've come up with. We're both Judys, and we're playing rock, paper, scissors, and we keep getting the same thing. Okay, that's the that's the situation. Um, and we're on, like, our 17th scissors in a row. Okay, ready? All right, we got to do this one more time. All right, we got to be different this time. Okay, ready? Rock, rock paper, rock, scissors. Paper, scissors. Oh my god! Oh my god, it was scissors again. This has got to be some kind of record. I swear, maybe we should call the Guinness Book of World Records for most same rock, paper, scissors matches in a row. New situation. What? I like that one. (laughs) (laughs) But we're inventing situations in the bedroom. Okay, I like that. Good, we have situation one, two Judys in the bedroom playing rock, Mm. paper, scissors. Now, two pairs of scissors in the bedroom playing Bob, Judy, Judy, and they keep picking Judy. All right, ready? Situation number two. Bob, Judy, Judy, Judy. Both Judys, again. Both Judys, wow. (laughs) More situations, what else? Okay, now two bedrooms are playing Rock, Judy, Scissors, and they keep scissoring. No, I can't say that. Stick to it. Double down. <laughs> they keep. What I was gonna say is they kept choosing scissors, but the scissors are like cutting their um like fabrics. So now they're all like tattered, and we're just two bed people in a bedroom. Two bed people. Okay. Situation number four. Uh huh. We are mattress men. Men okay. made of mattress. Oh. And we're playing man mattress pillowcase. And we keep picking pillowcase. <laughs> We're spiraling. We gotta get. We, we need a different. Situation. We gotta get. We gotta get out of this. Uh, you know, Devin, I've been meaning to tell you about this. I, I feel like we're in a rut here, where we kind of just keep doing the same bit over and over again, where we keep just choosing new objects to be, and then we just really the whole gist of this is that it's rock paper scissors, but we're just different objects. And you know, I'm definitely gonna edit this out. I'm definitely gonna edit this out. But I think we need to get out of this rut, you and I. So how do how do we get out of this rut as like friends, as co-hosts? You know, this is like a really intimate moment that definitely, definitely won't be on the podcast. So how do you think, how do we get out of this rut? I think we have to stay in this rut and I'll tell you why. So little Bob and Judy out there, little Bob and Judy, Midwestern Americans just struggling, trying to make a life for themselves. They're listening to Devin, Kevin, stop making sense. They hear them in the rut and Bob's like, I could do this better. I could, I could make a bit. I could be on a podcast and, and do a bit about Bob and Judy in the bedroom making situations. And Judy's like, well, if you think you can do it, then then go do it, Bob. And he does it. Oh, so you think that people are, people are listening to this pod and listening to this bit situation that we're doing, and they're like, this is fine, but I can do it much better. And that's the beauty of the podcast medium itself is that you listen to this conversation and you just want to feel superior to me and you because you think you have a better take about the song and you have a better take about the bit and you could do this bit better and you probably wouldn't have said that two beds were scissoring on TV and said that into a microphone and then edited the podcast, had a chance to edit it out of the podcast but decided to keep it in and probably regrets about it, you know, two months later. Yeah, you probably, listener, you think you're better than me, listener? Is that what it is? Yeah. Probably. You're probably right. So you think we should stay in the rut? 
listener, you're probably wondering why we're we leaving these spaces. This is for you to respond to. This is an interactive podcast, brand new technique. See if Bob and Judy can come up with that. Bet they couldn't. Right now is your chance to talk back to us. So we're going to say things and you're going to give your response and we're going to listen. And then we're going to say something else. All right. I like that idea. Devin, do you have something to say and to the, the audience? Yeah. Um, the moon landing was fake. There's no proof of it. It was made in a movie theater. And there's nothing you can say to convince me otherwise. Oof. Wow. Wow. <laughs> How about you, really Kevin? Strongly worded words in there. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think overall I'm a really cool person with very few flaws about me that I overlook on a daily basis. And I think, like, that's where I stand. So... You know, this is your time to like really just lay into me, put me in my place and just tell me the thing that you've been wanting to say to me for for weeks now listening to these episodes. Fair, fair. Yeah. Watch it. I'm kind of insecure about that. Okay. No, that's fair. I appreciate you bringing that up. And, you know, I'm trying to be a good person. I try to, you know, have these conversations with Devin because Devin's my better half. You know, he really levels me and I'm very cerebral. I kind of get lost in my head. This isn't my turn to talk. Last point, please. I'll I'll listen. Thank you. And I appreciate that we landed there at an understanding. So I think I'm going to take what you said and and bring it into next episode a lot stronger. How do you feel about that, Devin? What do you think about what they just said to me? I think they made some very strong points. Very but I would just like to respond by saying you're wrong and there's nothing you can say to tell me otherwise because I can't hear you and you can only hear me. So I am right and you are wrong in any claim you make might make. You hear that, listener? You hear that? We have the power. We have the microphones. We have the podcast. You don't have a podcast. You think you listen to this podcast every week. You listen to all these podcasts and you're like, oh, I can do it so much better. Me and my friends should make a podcast. I have mics. I can record it. I can edit it. I can do it better than Devin and Kevin. But you don't. You're sitting here. You don't have a podcast. Or you do have a podcast that probably gets more listens than us. But most people don't. And you're listening. (laughs) And you're not doing a better job. Devin and Kevin giveaway. Sweepstakes. Enter. If you record a podcast that times with ours, that engages in a conversation in all of our blank spaces you fill it up if you time it perfectly you will get an autographed photo of kevin and i riding a horse yeah i'll do do (laughs) from from uh from sugar on my tongue the horse episode the official horse episode of devin and kevin's not making sense that is true we do have an email email us in devkevsms at gmail.com that's d-e-v-k-e-v-s-m-s at gmail.com if you have answers for us for anything that we said tonight, um, please, please let us know, and we'll send you a signed picture of me and Devin on a horse. <laughs> and I'll probably tell you you're wrong. Well, that seems to be the bit that Devin's going for, and I am. I would like this to be a bit where I'm like, I'll hear you out and then get insecure and then angry at you in that order. That's kind of a bit, but it's also kind of who I am. So, yeah. All right. Well... <laughs> <laughs> These bits, we put these bits in the middle of the podcast to sort of center ourselves. But I come out of these bits Mm -hmm. 
with a with this chaotic neuroticism i think yeah talking heads have a lot of chaotic neuroticism too so maybe the best way to get in touch with your inner talking heads is to do a bit that makes no sense and is likely not funny but we're just going to keep i have a saying listeners and i would like to share it with you Mm -hmm. when you get yourself in a hole just keep digging because eventually you'll get out on the other side that's the official motto of devin and kevin make stop making sense double down just keep digging eventually you'll get out on the other side that's really good. I have a I have a saying kind of like that. It's like when you're in a hole, dig it with your hands because if you get far enough, either your hands will be reduced to nothing and you'll starve to death or you'll reach the center of the earth and incinerate immediately, ending your sad, sad, holy life. And then that's not holy life. That's you in a hole. So that's something I live by. I like let's give some more words of wisdom. You've heard the saying, I'm sure. There comes a point when you got to stop blaming everyone else and start blaming yourself. But I argue there's a point that comes after that where you can start blaming everyone else again. (laughs) Kevin? I was watching this video uh, last night, um, but he goes to this alien believers convention and he talks to this vessel for an alien Uh, And it's kind of a bit, it's all kind of a joke, but these people take themselves very seriously. But this vessel for an alien, (laughs) this man who genuinely believes that he's speaking for an alien, gave this actual really good advice. And this goes back to, if you want to make your own music, make your own podcast, I'm being serious here. Bit Kevin is gone, kind of. This is what he said. All right, listen. When you're not confident that you can do something, when you don't believe that you could make a podcast or make a good song, you are confident. You're confident that you'll do a bad job. So if you can take that same confidence and make it into something productive and be just as confident you'll do a good job, then you're using the same amount of energy, but you're being productive and you're believing in yourself. So if you believe you can't do a better podcast than us, Start believing that you can because here we are, two Evans with microphones, just doing it. And that's really all it's about. So be confident. I don't even have a microphone. So what does that say? I don't know. Last one I'll give you guys. When life gives you lemons. Nice. When life gives you lemons, squeeze lemon juice in your eyes. All right, Kev. That was enough (laughs) not making sense. Let's stop stop making sense and actually maybe make some sense of something with some sense as in c-e-n-t-s money sense yeah give us money go to devkevsms at gmail.com i think there's a money transferring system that you could use so just give us cash really thank you yes Devin. so give us cash give us some sense i want to talk about the recent jobs report just from april 2021 so if you didn't, I don't want to be, that's so patronizing. Why, why? Of course you saw the job report. Whatever. One take. April 2021, job report came out. Very disappointing. Not nearly as many jobs as everyone predicted um, were created. So there's been a lot of different takes on it, but I'm referring to an article. It's not a labor shortage. It's a great reassessment of work in America. It was in the Washington Post, I believe, in early May, late April, early May. So there's different takes on it. The first one is that maybe it's just an, an anomaly, right? It's just a 
for whatever reason, jobs didn't grow as high as predicted because it's one exception and soon things will be back on track. There's the argument you hear on the right a lot, which is that they blame unemployment benefits, right? Stimulus checks. People prefer these than low paying jobs. They're not going to work because they're getting money from the government. What this article talked about is maybe the low job report could be explained by a reassessment. So for starters, people are hesitant to go back to work until fully vaccinated. Just yesterday, 50% of Americans got both shots, but when this job report came out, that wasn't the case. But the really interesting thing about this reassessment is it's the idea that maybe people just wanna do something different with their lives. We've faced this pandemic. It brought a lot of insecurity, unexpectedness. It's really like being in a near-death experience. Suddenly this stability we felt going through everyday life, it's beginning, we're beginning to question it. Plus how we work has totally changed too. Offices are starting to become obsolete, right? We're moving towards maybe a system of working from home or at least a hybrid model where you're not going into work five days a week, which people have been talking about for a long time. But something really interesting is that a study from the Pew Research Center said that 66% of unemployed people said that they were seriously considering changing fields. So this is much more than the Great Recession back in 2008. People are thinking about getting different jobs. Different jobs have opened, obviously, with the hybrid setting, but also the idea that there's more money to be made in things like real estate and warehouses than restaurants, and also restaurants and um, hospitality services, a lot of exposure. Pandemics, a reality is, is that we may see more and more pandemics. Granted, the idea of where COVID started is still um, uncertain, but a lot of new viruses come from human expansion, encroachment into natural areas, exposing us to animals and bad viruses we haven't been exposed to in the past. Climate change, global warming, warmer temperatures, it's gonna allow viruses to spread into different areas. So <laughs> this might not be the last pandemic we experience in our lifetime. There's an idea in economics called reallocation friction, which is that workers take time to figure out what they want and they develop new skills rather than jumping into a new job. There's not enough money in old jobs to justify conditions. People are burning out much faster. The expectations of work are a lot more. People are going into early retirement and also autom automation too. A lot of the jobs that were there before the pandemic aren't going to come back because basically we found robots to take them over, right? So the major claim here is that the reason the job rate didn't increase as much as we thought is because people aren't jumping right back into jobs. Instead, they're taking this time to reassess what they wanna do and develop new skills, new techniques to do different jobs or jobs that maybe they never thought of trying in the past. I thought this was really interesting and of course relates to Bob and Judy doing what they love instead. What do you make of all this? Yeah, I, I think you put that really well. And I'd like to say that and I'm not afraid to make a claim here that there is no job shortage. There's no labor shortage. There's plenty of jobs open and there's plenty of people to fill those jobs. It is a reassessment. People seeing themselves and saying, I think I have more value than that job is making me feel valued. 
which is what we, we give our time and effort in exchange for a wage or a salary. And there's enough people to do that, to fill these jobs. It just seems like these jobs aren't appealing enough. And a lot of people get hurt by that, whether it be multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations or mom and pop shops and all in between. We need people to work to fulfill this socioeconomic system that we are all in right now. The question is, is this socioeconomic model that we're in, which is capitalism with pretty much an oligopoly of really powerful multinational companies that control a lot of top-down jobs. Is this going to change? And a lot of people don't want it to change because they benefit from it. A lot of people don't want it to change because they're comfortable and that's the only world they've ever known. A lot of people do want it to change because they see that this 40-plus-hour work week with low, unlivable wages in exposed conditions is not what they love. It's not even close to what they love. It's a danger. It's what they hate. And it strikes me that line always. And and it's almost said that it's not in Stop Making Sense. There are some lyrics that are cut off, including this one of, if your work isn't what you love, then something isn't right. And it also goes back to this idea that Bob doesn't seem to love Judy or vice versa, but they do love their work. And if your work isn't what you love, then something isn't right. So if I love my life and I see that I want to have nice things, but I don't want to work in a low minimum wage location, I think I'm too good for that. You're like, whoa, whoa, watch out, man. Like, you're too good for that? You think you're better than me? Like, no, I see value and work in all people, but the corporation or the socioeconomic model doesn't equal the value that I see for myself. And after a year of hibernation and self-discovery for a lot of people and a lot of hard looks at finances, fulfillment, health, family relations, a lot of people are coming out the other side of this with like, I am a totally different person. And I'm speaking from experience. Like I feel like I've changed a lot and grown a lot. I'm not looking for a new job, but it still strikes me where I'm like, no, I fully support these people holding out. And I know that's hurting a lot of small entrepreneurs and business people that need help, but I'm fully in favor of workers' rights and people saying, no, I'm worth more than this. You have to pay me more if you want me to come back and like live this life. You have to give me health insurance and (laughs) take care of my family and spouse. And I'm all for that. Like, absolutely. So... Yeah, not only are the the laborers need to reassess, but the people that have the power and money also need to reassess and say, hey, maybe it's time to restructure this. And a lot of people are afraid of that, and it's not going to happen easily. Jobs reports behind it, oh, we got more jobs. Behind the jobs are just people. The people making the report, the people that are being reported about, the people that have the jobs that need to be filled. It's all about people. So if there's no people behind it, and you're not loving the people, you're just loving their work, then yeah, something isn't right. Hold out, people. Find the value in your life if you can, if you have the privilege and the opportunities to reassess your life and change directions. It's scary, but I fully support you.
no, it's interesting what you say, because I agree. No one's too good for a job. But the reason that a job might not seem appropriate that we need to reassess isn't because from an elitist perspective that you're too good for it, but because people aren't treating you right. The fact of the matter is, is we do not treat people in the service industry very fairly, whether we be a customer, a manager, whatever it may be. So that's an issue of restructuring that system. Speaking to you know the amount of jobs, there are jobs that aren't going to come back because of automation. I remember listening to this TED Talk and it really struck me way before the pandemic, but I think it's appropriate now, is this idea that how do we deal with automation? How do we deal with the fact that more and more jobs are going to be able to be done automatically? And the issue with the pandemic is like toll workers, right? Tolls had to become automatic during the pandemic. We're not coming back from that. So what happens with all those toll workers? Well, what this person argued, he's a futurist, and he says, well, we have to come up with new jobs. There's jobs that machines can't do creativity, critical thinking. And that's what we should design jobs around to open those up for people, right? Because these are things that we can do that can't be automated. So that's one thing. Another thing is, and I hate to bring up Heidegger again, I wish I didn't read that (laughs) dumb being in time because I can't help it, but it's existentialism too. But it's this idea, right? That you're in everyday life. Bob and Judy, they're stuck in a rut. Their relationship isn't great. Because they're just going about it every day, it's fine, it's okay, but there's nothing to jolt them into reassessing. It's that reassessment, right? Reassessment doesn't happen naturally. You need something to do it. The thing about the pandemic, the silver lining of it is for a lot of us, we took a step back and realized, wow, things aren't exactly as we perceive them. Things aren't as certain as we thought, whether it be the fact that you're like, oh my God, I could catch this virus and die, or just the fact that there's other ways to work. I don't necessarily have to be in in service industry. We can work hybridly. We can work from home. It allows us the opportunity to reassess. Like Heidegger says in his Being in Time, longtime followers have talked about it before, but you need that thing to jolt you out of the everyday to realize, okay, what do I want for my life? When I'm on my deathbed, how do I want to look back? Is my work really something I love? What other alternatives are open to me? Granted, it's a privileged position to be able to be out of work. The pandemic, though, opened up, made that privilege more accessible to many people. It's not that the masses, right, are fine just doing whatever. No, they just haven't had the privilege. They haven't had the ability to take a step back and reassess. And this is allowing them to. And it's not something we should look down on. These systems in place, right, the CARES Act, stimulus checks, were meant to support people during a very troublesome time. And it should be used to allow people the opportunity to reassess and figure out what's next. The big benefit, all of this to say, is that if your work isn't what you love, then something isn't right. Yeah, that's true, but there's also the question of, is it possible to move into something you love? And if it isn't, what's wrong with the way we structure society that prevents us from doing something we love? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this here because I was thinking the same thing. And I'm someone who, I think back to a day in New York City before pre-COVID, obviously, um, and it was a labor union march. And I think it was the happiest day in New York I've ever experienced. All these people in labor unions just genuinely embracing each other and dancing on these big floats. And it was wonderful. And I think about 
that day when I think about workers' rights and unionizing and protecting employees. But just that day I think about a lot when I, when I, when I think about doing what you love. And when you have a labor union, most of the time you're doing a job that's very difficult that not a lot of people want to do. You think of plumbing, electricians, teachers. There's a lot of labor unions that need to be protected because what they're doing, yeah, maybe they do love it. But I bet a lot of teachers, plumbers, and electricians would wake up and just would prefer to just sit and relax. We can't, the system we have in place you're never going to have everyone doing exactly what they love. It's impossible. I wish it were so. I wish everyone could be, we don't need labor unions because everyone's like, I love what I'm doing. I'm fully supported. Everyone respects me inherently. But the system we're in doesn't support that. And I can't really imagine a system where everyone's doing what they love. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Can you imagine that, Devin? Like, I wish I could, but it seems impossible. But maybe it's just because I've been propagandized and live in this really flawed socioeconomic model where a lot of people, only a very select amount of people, can do what they love truly. And even then, most of them are sad and miserable in like the entertainment industry, and there's a lot of depression and drug abuse and those quote-unquote loved and coveted jobs of entertainment and stuff. Well, I'd argue that unions are meant to allow you to love what you do. Full disclosure to the audience, I don't know if I've told people before, maybe we've mentioned it briefly. I am a middle school teacher. <gasps> I know what you're thinking. Who allows this man to teach our kids? Didn't he say I hate kids earlier in the episode? All of that aside, I teach middle school and I'm part of the teachers union. The expectations, for, there's a lot of expectations for teachers. And most teachers love what they do. They love the kids. They're passionate about the subjects they're teaching. And the reason for the existence of the union is to keep it that way, to make sure that they're getting paid fair wages, to make sure that their hours are fair. I mean, the fact of the matter is when you're a teacher, yeah, you might be done at 3 p.m., 4 p.m. at the end of the school day, but you're planning lessons, you're doing grades. The day doesn't end after the day ends. So there needs to be certain regulations in place. There needs to be some kind of pushback on behalf of the people who are in it, who are doing it. We talked about earlier in the episode, the idea that do you have a right to criticize if you've never done it? So the people who are making the rules for a lot of professions, for a lot of jobs, haven't done it. They're doing on what they think is right. And maybe they are. Maybe it does need to be that way economically, socially, whatever it may be. But the reason for the existence of unions is you have the people in the business who are familiar with it, who knows what's going on and can push back and say, listen, we shouldn't have teachers in schools right now. You need to understand that we can't socially distance the way that the CDC says we should or whatever it may be, or we can't have 50 hour work weeks. It's just not manageable for a different profession. So the idea of the union is to have people who are in it, who are doing it, push back and say, listen, this is the real experience. You got to take into account what we're really going through. But I want to highlight this word that we keep bringing up is of what's real, the reality of the situation and seeing things for what they really are, um, whether it be stepping back and reassessing the current situation of COVID and how to deal with it or seeing the reality of a teacher's life um, and making the best policy decisions around that. I have that circled and on my notes of reality and it goes back to Bob and Judy improved their reality. They made a lot of money and did they had a successful TV show because they made up situations. 
they made stuff up to improve their life. So that goes back to this idea that we kind of started with, or we pretended to close with, which is like, they improve their life, they're as happy as they can be because they made up situations and put them on TV. Is that so? Like, you make something up, I guess you make it up and then you make it real by putting it on TV, but like, is that it? It seems like you make up situations and that's just, it's just a notion. I've been reading a lot of Buddhism and these ideas that frighten us are notions. The the notion of coming and going, the notion of birth and death, they frighten us and they stress us out, but really they're just notions that we have and thoughts in our mind. And to see the reality and reach nirvana, you have to go beyond notions and find this pure experience with God. Ooh, didn't think I'd go there, but Anyway, this is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm asking is, I'm not sure. I'm just going to put that out there, and Devin, please, what, what do you think of that? Like, finding reality, can you make something up to find reality? How do you find it, and how do you balance it in a world that seems chaotic and almost doesn't want you to have a moment to breathe and say, hey, is the life I'm living right now good, or should I change my whole life? <laughs> Get a new job. In Buddhism depending on which Buddhist philosophy, but like the Zen philosophy is that moment, right? That slapstick Zen, but it's the idea that it happens to you in a moment. Existentialism, similar, right? Existentialism, we live in an observed universe. It's our duty to make meaning of it. We have to imagine Sisyphus, who has to forever roll that rock up a hill, is happy because otherwise we'd go insane, right? Is there opportunities to reassess? Can we necessarily restart? No, but maybe we can make little changes. Am I happy in this relationship? If I'm not, what's going wrong? What can I fix? Maybe I can't get a new job right now, but how can I make things better in the moment? Do I spend too much time on my phone? Would I rather read more books? Whatever it is, I think it's very important that we find time to step back daily, weekly, monthly, regularly at some point and reassess and really critically analyze what's going on in our lives. I may be conflating things here, but at least in the Jesuit tradition, right? They talk about that. What is it called? At the end of the day, when you reflect on your day before. Oh, uh, Oof, our Fordham education. That, that was like the third Jesuit value that I'd always forget on my essays. But I feel like reflection is, is good enough to say reflection. Reflection, right. I think it was like Ignatius, the founder of the Jesuit uh, sect. He would, every night before bed, he would reflect on the day and think was about what went right and what went wrong. It's a good practice to get into. I've tried to do it a couple of times and I always forget. Like I have a note. I don't know how many times I've started a note on my phone. It's just a good practice. At the, at the end of the day, list three good things that happened in your day. Psychologically, it's good for you because you start to focus more on what you appreciate because you preemptively think, oh, tonight before bed, I'm going to list three things that made me happy. So what were those three things? And then you start to recognize them in the moment. Start doing it, people. I don't <laughs> you get to it. You want to find your reality, do it. And for you right now, I mean, you all, the listeners are lucky because you can say, what good happened today? I listened to Devin and Kevin stop making sense. I sent them an email. I sent Kevin cash money on through, a, through PayPal, through Google Pay. Um, I, I helped Kevin, a creator, um, get cash money in his pocket money in kevin's pocket i did that for him he needs money (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i need a job um 
not to I didn't mean to joke around and take away anything from your point because I think you said a lot of fantastic things and the one that stuck with me that relates to this song is like maybe I should be like watch less TV and go out and do something but that's that's the nature of the song I mean this song has a moral David Byrne sings so think about this little scene apply it to your life if your work isn't what you love then something isn't right it's just something that you can kind of keep in your back pocket Bob and Judy, yeah, it seems like I've always felt there was something a little tongue-in-cheek, a little nefarious about these lyrics that this can't be the end-all, be-all. I think their relationship maybe isn't as good as he says it is, but at least they went out and did it. And I saw this TikTok as in a moment where I was on TikTok for a few hours and I was thinking maybe I should get up and read some Angela Davis. It's sitting on my bedside table. I'd be a much better person if I read this Angela Davis book and finished it. Why do I want to read that? Because I want to get better at mutual aid. I want to get educate myself and be a better human being to help the world. That's what I want. And then luckily this TikTok, this this other just casual creator said, hey, I heard this TikTok. I kind of barely remember it, but someone said something along the lines of mutual aid starts at home. So go do the dishes. And I was like, you're right, I should go do the dishes. Yeah, I want to like go give food and package food for the homeless and hungry of New York City and even in a different country. But maybe also I should make my sister dinner who's like, she's hungry. So maybe I can start mutual aid at home. And Devin, you're saying like empower service workers. Yeah, like you can go to Verizon protests or like campaign for the Amazon unionization or when next time you go to Starbucks just like smile and say thank you maybe leave a tip if you have that financial compensation does it change the world no but if that's also a lot of like Buddhist principles is that you can be peaceful and live your Buddha nature and bring about peace and everything is interconnected so just like one positive action can have a much broader positive effect. And if you live a life that is doing focused, like the Jesuits say, go out and do things and live the Jesuit life, set the world on fire. Uh, and the and Buddhist teachers say to, when you're doing those things, do them peacefully and with your whole heart and fully experience it beyond notions and, and thoughts. And then the American economic system of go out and be a productive individual. It will be helpful to more people than just you. Um, all these things kind of align with this idea of finding a job. And that's what I kind of landed on, which is like, there's a lot of stress around working. And I don't think we're in the right situation yet to truly empower all the workers and have everyone do what they love. But I I know I'm trying to be a better employee. I know I'm trying to be a, a better person who interacts with employees i just got a coffee before a few hours ago and i just like tried to be nice to the person and they were nice to me it made my day a little better so yeah something isn't right uh in the world but there are ways to be a positive change and feel better so think about this little scene and apply it to your life i think we're at a critical point in our lives and history and that we have the opportunity to reassess and it's very important what happens next. Can we create worldwide societal change from our positions, from our platforms? Maybe not. I like what you said a lot, Kevin, those little changes you could make, right? The idea of karma isn't that you're going to do good and then you're going to get a million dollars. It's the idea that, listen, you smile at this person. This person's happier. They do this. They do that. You're putting good into the world and that's going to come back to you versus you're mean to someone. 
classic story I used to be told as a kid is like the boss screams at their employee and he goes home and he screams at his kid and the kid goes and kicks the dog and the dog chases the cat and the cat causes someone to swerve out of the road and they blow their tire and that person's pissed off and they scream at their wife that night and then the wife who's the boss of that other guy screams at the employee and it starts mm -hmm. the cycle over again so you put bad in you're going to get more bad in. you put good in it's going to come back to you too so we're at this critical point where we have the opportunity to reassess and if we can reassess our own lives maybe that doesn't necessarily mean starting over or some great huge change but little things like supporting people in service industry so they feel better about it so they're more likely to do it do what you need right i mean that's the other thing too we shouldn't make generalizations and apply one way of living some people may love working in hospitality and that's not wrong of them right no one's too good for anything all to say <laughs> finding a job working what you love nothing is permanent buddhism right impermanent and we should take the time regularly to reassess and to figure out where are we where do we want to be enjoying the moment living in the moment but thinking where do we want to be how do we get there and what little changes can we make right now to be closer to that I think that's fantastic and I think I have a lot more to say but I think we've said a lot and maybe we should reflect ourselves on how you think this episode went and how you're going to stay hungry going forward. Yeah, so how am I going to stay hungry? Other than David Burns' huge enormous neck, I brought it back people. Oh yeah. <laughs> so gross. I'm going to reflect on the idea that, you know, if you think you can do something better, then go do it. You know, give it a try before you critique something else. Can I do it? And to the listeners, to the audience, I dare you. Go, make your own Talking Heads podcast. Let's see if it's better. <laughs> <laughs> you think this is so easy, huh? Yeah, it's not easy, all right? It's hard. It's real hard work. So give me cash on the Cash app. I have Venmo. I have PayPal. Give me cash, please. Sorry, I got carried away there. No, that's basically it. If you think you can do something better, then go do it. Yeah, be confident. You probably can. You probably could do it better, honestly could make a talking heads podcast better but other stuff I'm <laughs> the best jesuit advice i ever got was my rugby captain i think maybe i said it before where he said the Je living the jesuit way is going out and doing stuff and uh devin thank you because we go out and do this um whenever we can and put out episodes and i'm, I'm always grateful because I love Found a Job. It was always a song that I felt weird about liking so much because I feel like it doesn't get talked about a lot, forgotten, but it always stuck with me a lot, and I wasn't sure why, and this deep dive into it has made me have 100,000% more appreciation for a song I already loved a lot, and I'm also really passionate about empowering workers and be a supportive human being in this world and it's really hard that there is morals to it that I can apply to my life and find something that I love doing. Also this song is so funky. Again, Tina lays down one of the nicest bass lines ever in here and here we are at the very end of the song. <laughs> you haven't mentioned it but I'm gonna jam around to this and also apply these little scenes to my life and um, 
just trying to make small differences that can have a big impact. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. This has been another great episode of Devin and Kevin Stop Making Sense. Thank you all for listening. Actually, for real, definitely email us at devkevsms at gmail.com. D-E-V-K-E-V-S-M-S at gmail.com. Send us anything. Just say hello. We'd love to, we'd love to see any um, emails. And if you want to send me cash, that's fine. But you can also send Devin cash. Just say for Devin and maybe I'll give it to him. Devin, any final thoughts before we the music plays us out? We have a few seconds. Hurry, make it count. Uh, hurry, Devin, hurry. <laughs>